prophetic lyrics from Englishman Alvin Lee so many decades ago. It's a Friday. That means Brent Allen Winters is with us and Kay's along. Called in before I could even hook up with Brent this morning. Uh, it's the 30th of Friday and I guess the start of, uh, isn't it Labor Day weekend this weekend? Yes, it is. Roger, is your your music still playing on my end? It is? Full blast. Yeah. But maybe not to you. Uh, it, there's no music. It goes dead into a dead track. Wow. There we go. Are we going to have some kind of technical snafus here today? We shouldn't be having any of that. Is it? Uh, is music gone now, Brent? The music is gone, but now, but now I'm hearing what you said uh, 15 seconds ago. Where in the heck is that coming from? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell Maybe you not. what. Why don't you Why don't you hang up, Brent? Okay. Uh, well, yeah, uh, hold on a second, Kay. What, where are you calling in from? Just a regular phone or what? I am. My yeah, my cell phone. Uh, well, it may be the cell phone. Why don't you hang up and and let us get started and see if this doesn't correct it? Because that may, you know, like Daryl calls and his a oh. satellite phone and it causes that echo, some that delay sometimes. So let's try that and see if we can straighten it out because I don't think I've hit any buttons that should have caused it. Okay, not a problem. Okay, thank you. And we'll see if that straightens it out here, Brent. And if not, I can just go back and call you again and see if we can hook up because we shouldn't be having that problem. Well, do you got the delay now? Well, we're going to have all kinds of little situations today here. All right, hold on. Brent. Hey, Let's see here. Let's, yeah. let's see if we can get this technical stuff straight. Mute out, Cody, and if you would. And Brent, yeah. are we getting a delay you sound, now? You sound good on my end. Well, I'll be a flipped. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe Brent should just call in the regular phone number, maybe, because you sound good. No. Oh, now what in the world is causing this? Now, Brent, do you have a radio on in the background? Well, Brent left. Okay. Wow, there's something weird. It might be on his end. I have no idea. Anyway, Katie and uh, Katie. <laughs> I'm all right. Cody and Kay are both with us, I think. You guys are there, right? Oh, he's laughing. He mispronounced the lady's name. I'm here. Can you hear me? Is this delay? Uh, what in the Sam flip is going on here? Um, all right. We just added Brent again, but I still can't isolate the delay. That's what's driving me crazy. Uh, Brent, welcome back. I'm all right. Cody no. and Kay. Where is that coming from? Guys are there, right? Oh, he's laughing. He Unmuted out. I don't know. I'm here. Can you hear me? Brent? Is this? Hey. I, I'm, uh, I'm hearing the whole echo thing, too, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know where uh, it's coming from. All right. 
just added print again. But All I right. still can't. All right, now, I can't do a we can't do a show like this. Period. So what I'm going to do is hang up on everybody, and I'm going to try and call Brent back uh, solo and see if we can figure out where this is coming from. So just hang in there. Okay, all that's gone. Whew. Thank goodness. Let me see if I can get figure out what's going on here. It shouldn't be happening. I don't know where it's coming from. All right, we'll get the ding-dong-dings in there. Always expect the unexpected. Now Brent's not picking up. All right, well, let me mute that out, and we'll see if he can pick up in a second. I have no idea what's going on here, folks. And he's unavailable, it tells me. Okay, well, hell, usually this kind of stuff happens on Mondays and not on Fridays, and I have absolutely no idea where it's coming from. Um... So let me try Brent again, and we'll see. Boy, it's just what we need on a Friday, isn't it? Especially an important one, because there's a lot of the important things. I was dying to hear what Brent had to say. All right, let's see. Brent, are you there? I am, yeah. Uh -huh. You don't have a radio on in the background or anything? No. Uh-uh. No. We're in I don't. The all right, well, let's see. There may be one thing I can do here. Why don't you go ahead and say hello and hello. Uh, and, and talk a little bit, and I'm going to try and, and get a hold of Paul okay. and, and see if he's available and could maybe get you know find out what's going on here. I'll try to talk. <laughs> okay, how you doing? And I'll just turn it over to you for a minute here, and then I'll go away. Go take it, Brent. Okay. 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 What it is, I'm. All right. Well, I'm. I'm trying to talk. I hope I don't get the delay. Well, it doesn't sound like I am now. Everything's clear as crystal. And I wanted to talk today. <laughs> wanted to talk today about some of the things that you'd put up. Yeah, I've got it. Okay. This is not working well, but I'll try to talk. I enjoyed listening this morning to the People's Patriot Network. For what it is, I'm... All right. I'm trying to talk. I hope I don't get the delay. Well, it doesn't sound like it now. Everything's clear as crystal. I, listen, this is just this is absolute uh, a, a madhouse because I can't figure talk, out any of this that's going on, and it doesn't talk. make sense. This is not working well, but I'll try to talk. I enjoyed listening this morning to the People's Patriot Network. What it is, but. Listen, this is just this is absolute uh, a, a, a madhouse because I can't figure out any of this that's going on and it doesn't make sense. Not working well, but I'll try to talk. I enjoyed listening this morning to the People's Patriot Network. All right. Trying to talk. I hope I don't get in the way. 
and clear as crystal. Uh, this, this is just, this is absolute uh, uh, a madhouse because I can't figure out any of this that's going on and it doesn't make sense. Stop working well, that's all try to talk. I enjoyed listening this morning. Okay. Wow. To Good. the Old Patriot Network. I have no idea what's going on. I keep hearing the same thing looped over and over again. Don't, just don't call in. Don't call in right now because uh, uh, I, I, I don't know anything else to do but dump out of the show because we can't do a show like this and we can't throw anything in to replace it because it's already started. So I guess we're just going to have to have dead air today. I don't know any other thing to do. I can't get a hold of Paul. He's the only person I know if there's a technical part side of this that's causing it that could straighten it out. And as I said, the way it is right now, there's no way to do a program. Brent, are you still on? Can you still hear me? Boy, I'm at a loss. Is that... This has not happened the whole time we've been doing this for a couple of years. Um, oh, Lord. All right, let's see what's going on. Let me answer, Chris. Okay, Chris, are you there? Let me get I am. So, Jim? Jim. Rams joined us. Hey. Do you have any yeah. idea what the hell's going on here? I do. You remember an echo loop? They've got the ability to electronically simulate oh, a Chris, starting Chris, phrase Chris, over Chris, Chris, please. <laughs> you, I didn't tell the devious group. Restart everything. Do what, Jim? Reset, reset uh, restart your butt, restart Skype, and just start All fresh. Right. All right, let That's me. That's what I would do. All right, let me try it. That's the only thing I know to do. So, so just hang in there if you're listening, and let's see if I can get back on the air here. Uh, Daryl, just hey, Daryl, you got any suggestions? Am I about to crash here or what? Well, uh, I think your master caution and warning light is on, and and uh, the uh, quick reference handbook always recommends clearing your cake. And, Cache and and it probably wouldn't have hurt to uh, do a reboot on your system. Take five minutes and we'll all come back. Well, you know, all of a sudden now that you've called in, it, that we're not getting the echo and we're having a program here. Why don't well, you try? I can see if you can get yeah. it on. Let me see if I can add Brent into this and see if it still has that problem. Man, that is a weird deal. Let's see if we can yeah, drag him in here. Uh, let's see. Uh, calling Mr. Winters, and we'll see if he picks up. And that's just strange. You know, Skype's had some problems recently, a day or two, but nothing like this. And I don't. See, I do the computer on a portable, and I don't touch it except on during the programs. 
So it's not like you. I went in there and hit a wrong button, and Brent's not picking up. Well, boy, sometimes things just don't go as they're planned, you know? Well, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's punt. Oh, so. really, an apt analogy for football season starting. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, well, I know well, I really wanted to hear that Brent's got a lot to add. There's a lot of things going on. I know he had a lot he wanted to talk about. Let's see. If, well, now everybody wants to try and call in. So, all right. Hey, Cody, how you doing? Can we hear you? Good. Good. Is it working okay now? Well, I'm not sure. If we can add Brent in, here he's calling in. Let's see. Okay. Okay, there's Brent added just, in. Brent, tune in. are you there now? Let's yeah. see. Uh, well, I know well, I really wanted to no. hear Brent's got a lot to add. There's a lot of things going on. No, now, now see, Brent. Brent, when we added you in, it started again. All right. Hey, Wow, well, I, I, you know, I think that isolated us. It's somewhere on Brent's side, I think. Instead of having him use Skype, have him call in on your number. Why don't number. you call in on the Brent? Why, let me see if I can. He's listening, maybe. I'll send him a message here. Uh, if I Come on. Uh, call. Just bear with me. Hey, you guys talk for a minute. Never a dull moment yeah. on uh, the radio ranch. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was intriguing to notice that the Alex Jones show yesterday with Paul Joseph Watson were ballyhooing their newly discovered State Department bulletin pamphlet number 7277, they termed a State Department bulletin, a State Department memo, uh, so oh, yeah. that people wouldn't switch it out that way. And, of course, um, that's the U.N. plan for disarmament. They freedom from war in a society that I've been talking about for high on seven, eight years, along with this evil twin wow. sister in United States Code 2358, the Storm Thurman National Authorization Act, both of 1961. That's correct. They came out in 61. That's why Cody sent that to me last night. And I went, you know, this is old news, man. This is like 60 years old. It appears to be on the run and active and being deployed very closely right now in multiple different locations by the Soros, a.k.a. Clinton and um, Bush gangs all around the world in the global takeover scheme that they're trying to do by invasion, migration, infiltration. Well, you know, they had 15 new boats hit Greece last night with, I don't know, a couple of hundred new migrants. And if you looked at the story over on Zero Hedge, there are all those nice new inflatable ones, nice all new, new motors. They all arrive in about the same span of time and dump all these migrants on the beach over there in Greece. Uh, it's Soros just, doesn't spend, spare any money. <laughs> no, he doesn't cut too much corners. I'd like to have one of those little black dirigibles myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know. I got Brent the number, and he hadn't called in. So, I, but obviously, since we can continue to have a show, the problems on his side somewhere. I think it would appear. Yeah. Um. So let's By see. Reason, I say so. What else? Uh, Dad, gummit. I, I hate it when stuff like this happens. But 
Go ahead. I was going to say, the interesting part of the Hong, Hong Kong they were saying was that uh, even the Hong Kong people are complaining about immigrants, apparently the Chinese immigrants. I thought that was a, uh interesting side note to the conversation ah. yesterday on Alex Jones. Yes, you they've know, been doing their Chinese spring over there with the CIA American infiltrator forces, uh, having them wear masks in the Antifa fascist fashion and waving American flags to incite and flame hatred of America amongst the Chinese and the world's peoples because we are the ones provoking that stuff. At least uh, our people um, are being paid to do that to cover up the Soros influence of the Rockefeller Rothschild group. You know, I heard Jim Willie make a comment. Uh, it, those of you who know, let's see here, Brent communicating here. Let's see, am I, uh, yeah, it seems I'm the problem. I'll restart the computer and try and cat, call back. Okay, Brent's going to reboot his outfit and see if we can straighten it out on that end. Hopefully that'll work. Uh, as I was saying, Jim Willie, who is pretty much beyond reproach, in my opinion anyway, um, was saying a couple of months ago, this was maybe four or five months ago, that one of his subscribers is a very well-to-do financial guy in Hong Kong. And as he was going out of his apartment door one morning, the doorman stopped him and said, I saw your son carrying a sign down somewhere in Hong Kong, and he told me they were paying him 100 or $150 a day to do it. Okay. Well, and, that's their modus operandi. They pay all these agent cops, these, uh, like, I like to call them useful idiots, to go out and carry signs and pretend to be protesters to try to provoke violent reaction in the Clara and Piven model to implode the government and by invasion migration uh, ruses where they really ship people in to overload the system, yep. to collapse it from well, within or implode well, it. Overnight, evidently, the Chinese, uh, the Hong Kong authorities or the Chinese went in and pinched a couple of the key protesters, and all of a sudden it's quieted down today. Okay, let's see. Brent's calling back in. Let's see if this is all straightened out here. All right, we'll see if we can welcome Mr. Winters and find out what's going on. Brent, are you there this time? Yes. Ah, and you sound loud and clear with no echo. I'll be. Well, here we are, and I heard I did catch you talking about Hong Kong and somebody being hired to carry a sign, which is part for the course when there's political activism in the streets. But that's what Martin Luther King in his day, the young people were bused from our part of the world down to Alabama to uh, promise all the, all the sex they wanted, all the drugs, all the food, all the lodging. And by the way, they even promised on the brochures sex with uh, any color they wanted, too. And uh, they gathered up children like the Pied Piper. Children with young folk like the Pied Piper gathered up young people in Europe to be sold into slavery into North Africa. At gathering points at a place in France. Same thing happening today. It happened back when I was a teenager. It's still happening now in Hong Kong, apparently. I don't know which side you were talking about, but I'm sure both sides are trying to uh, persuade people by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the vainglory of life to do whatever it is they want them to do. The only power the evil empire has is the ability to, to promise you that they'll fill your lusts. Yep. That's all they have. Yep. But that's a lot. 
But, <laughs> well, it, people. Go ahead. It, it goes back to that what Tupper Saucy told me the last time I spoke with him before he died. He said, Roger, don't you understand? They can only rule evil. And they entice you over into it, and then they rule you with their little laws of the city. Well, you know, there's some sense to that in this sense. Uh, uh, even the devil himself is granted leave to do certain things, and there's not much difference between the ideas, the words we use for permission, leave, license, those three synonyms, and authority. Matter of fact, if you're granted license, for instance, to drive or to go fishing or to hunt, uh, you're granted permission, you're granted authority to do that uh, from the state, from, from men. But if you're granted authority from your maker, that's the same fundamental principle. But it is so far-reaching. Uh, men don't have long enough arms to reach into that. That's what I'm saying. Now that we know from the book of Job, likely the oldest book, the first book in the Bible ever written, although it doesn't occur in the order of books first, because uh, Moses' books tell about events that happened before Job. But I'm talking about uh, the book that was first written, not the book that tells about the earliest events, which would be the book Genesis. The book of Job was an early written book. It seems clear as crystal from the internal evidence of the book about a man named Job who lived in the East, and he was the greatest of all men. And we learn there that um, the devil himself, Satan himself, the adversary, Satan, he presents himself because he's subject. He's a creature. In that sense, like us, he presents himself to the true lawgiver. And the true lawgiver, God himself, Elohim, the Bible puts it, grants him permission to be devil and make life hard for this man called Job. God says to him, have you considered my slave, my servant, Job? And he said, skin for skin, I can make him curse you. He said, I don't think you can do that, Satan. And then he gives him authority to do a lot of nasty things, but he says, you don't have authority to take his life. And he never did that. Did that. You see, Jesus Christ, of course, we get to the Newer Testament, we see is revealed there that he commands the evil spirits, the persons without bodies. And he tells them what to do, and they're afraid of him. And he says, have you come to destroy us, they say to him. Well, and then he commands them. We see the evidence written there where he commands them into the herd of hogs. And the hogs go wild and crazy and run over a cliff into the ocean, into the sea, I should say. I don't know that it was the salt ocean. Into the sea, and uh, they perish, probably the Sea of Galilee. So we know that um, the permission is granted to evil men. And if we're stupid enough, I see his point, to go over in that. But it violates that first principle to say that. This is why, uh, well, when it comes to right and wrong, you know, the Bible says it violates the principle that no man has the right to do wrong. No man has the right to do wrong. But men do things, as do evil spirits, such as the devil himself, Satan. They do things that are wrong in the eyes of men. But when it comes to right and wrong, see, only God, only the lawgiver has the authority, the power to, to know, to know good from evil. And the promise that was given to our granddad, Adam, and our grandma Eve was that, oh, you eat this fruit, you partake of this stuff, and you'll be as lawgiver, knowing what? Knowing the difference, the ultimate, in every case, difference between good and evil. Well, we don't know that, even now. 
we were talking recently about, I get into this often with people, I, uh, I just state it anymore and move on. Is it right to lie? Is it right to lie? Are there circumstances where we, uh, God, our lawgiver, commands that we lie? And that it's an act of faith that he that pleases him. And the answer is yes, most assuredly, without question. There's a time to lie. Is that right? Yes, it's right. So, And our God knows the difference ultimately in every case between good and evil. But we, as mere mortals, creatures, created beings, we don't know that. And to be as God, to be like God is to know that. And so to say, well, the devil did this, that was wrong. Well, the Babylonians came and, and did all these nasty, they raped and killed and plundered the Israelites. That was wrong. Well, now, wait a minute. Was It depends upon from what perspective you look at it. But in every case, God himself is the decider of what is right and wrong. In every case, there is a right and wrong. The only problem is we as mere men are dependent upon him, not only for our very lives and every little thing we have and do, even our own will. We're dependent upon him for what we want. He even controls that. You don't believe it? Read what it says. It says that. We can't perceive it. We don't understand it. We can't explain it. But we know it's true. I've seen people and things in nature, Roger, and I've seen it and I've said, how in the world can that be? But the evidence is clear. It's true. You can't deny what happened. The only question is, how in the world could it have happened? Well, God has the answers to all those questions. And when it comes to what's going on over there in Hong Kong, uh, we don't know everything. What we do know is that we are to do, in response to that, what our Maker tells us to do. Because we don't know all and we don't see all. He does. And he simply says, as our commander, to use that analogy, don't worry about the outcome. You just calmly follow my course and take it moment by moment. And when they throw a jab at you or when they fire a bullet at you, then you make your next move and I'll tell you what the next move is. That's what he's telling us to do. Back to you, Roger. Well, you know, it's interesting. Well, I, I dug out the other night a um, video on the history of Hong Kong. About an hour long, it was really good. Uh, and it went back uh, to, you know, when it was just a beach there, and the British founded it, and and the, the all the different uh, ethnicities from around the world moved in and had their own sections and how it grew. And it was very, very interesting because I wanted to get some background on what it is because it's obviously a flashpoint at this stage. And... Um, and the the newer uh, revelations, there's K coming back in. I think we got things normalized, K. And uh, the newer things, of course, and I, I just see some of the stories. I don't even hardly read stories anymore. I just kind of look at the headlines. But the about a week or 10 days ago, somebody snapped a photo of a gal who had a post at the U.S. Embassy there in some capacity, and she was meeting with the top two protest leaders. And obviously, oh, by the way, she was Jewish and uh, had been over in the Ukraine or some of these other little hot spots when they'd flared up. So uh, it's we're over there instigating all this stuff and just poking China like you'd go in there and literally poke that bear with a stick. Uh-huh. 
Well, that's not smart. Doesn't seem to me. But I mean, Brent, they're, they're selling feel. they're selling planes to Taiwan for the first time in several decades. They're driving uh, big naval ships in the Straits of Taiwan. There, uh, they're they're just absolutely poking that bear every way they can poke it. Well, maybe the I I shouldn't say that. Maybe there. Are, well, I know there are things that I don't know about it. But then again, I know this also. I know the people that are, re, are re required to make those decisions, they don't know everything either. Um, and the other side, the Chinese, they don't know everything. So is it smart to, maybe there's the pure calculation here that China will back down. It's clear, though, that China also, the mainland China, has through the decades pushed the envelope at every point. I remember when I was in that part of the world, there was a rock sticking up out of the ocean, a rock. It wasn't any bigger than a king-size bed. And every year they go out there and pour more concrete on it to make it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until they figured under the precedence of international law that they could claim that it was part of their landmass. And then once they claimed it was part of their landmass, they extended the, their jurisdiction around it to 12 miles the internet, uh, before they reached international waters. So they took jurisdiction of that rock by pouring concrete on it till it swelled up big enough, they thought they could get away with calling it part of their territorial boundaries and then extend the landmass. By the way, there's more than one rock around there. They're doing that, too. So they're pushing the envelope, too, and they're pushing the envelope in ways that uh, would egg us onto war, but they're counting on us, our good-natured our good uh, natured attitude, which is part of our history to be good natured and accepting to the point of stupidity by the way <laughs> i think it served as well though they're 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 counting on that and uh maybe trump is pushing back i don't know everything about it i'm just talking i'm bringing up points i'm evaluating it as you talk about it and i'm revealing my thoughts but go ahead roger well i'd say one thing i've learned from these guys is anytime they're really got their backs in a wall in a financial crack they always try and start something to cover it up, and if they can't cover it up, they have something they can blame it on. So, uh, well, and yeah. the tariffs have also traditionally, if you go back historically in the country, I mean, tariffs have just been about tied to everything. They they had a, played an integral part in the Civil War, you know, to get it started, uh, to bring in the income tax, all the stuff around the turn of the century, last century. Uh, they've used tariffs as a... Uh, cause and effect approach to getting things done, I believe. Uh huh. Well, apparently, this Hong Kong agitator, uh, our friend Greg just sent me a link. I can't look at it right now, but I got the idea from what he said that this Hong Kong agitator that you had mentioned a while ago is key to this whole thing. It's some woman. She's an Israeli or something. Is that. Oh, imagine that. Yeah. No, yeah. no. She's and, probably got dual citizenship. Well, no, that's probably true. Uh, they are people without countries, uh, international international persons that don't claim to have a country and want to promote the idea of uh, world citizenship. But you got to remember, these folks, too, are loony enough to believe that aliens, uh, aliens from other planets are like countries to them. Uh, they've got that in their heads. Now, are there aliens that come to Earth? I think there are, but they're not from other planets. They're just uh, they're <laughs> God's messengers. Some people have called them 
angels through the centuries. But it seems to me that that's true, but they're not looking at it that way. They're, you know, all these things, these otherwise apparently crazy things that are on the Internet, such as aliens coming from other countries, they're in the Bible. The Bible, the Bible talks about them. The trouble is people don't pay attention to what the Bible says about them. And then they go off on tangents and say, well, we've got other books that have been ignored for centuries that, are, that tell the whole story that God wants us to know. I have friends that say that, too. Well, that's hogwash, too. There's more here in the Bible than anybody's ever mastered. Let's get to trying to figure it. But if you go back to the alien idea, you can go back to Genesis 6, and you can see there the Nephilim, the Nephilim, the fallen ones, to use the rawness of the Hebrew text there, uh, they, they really did invade, and they really did cohabit with the daughters of women, and they really did produce what the Bible calls mighty men, men of old, men of the name. The translations say men of renown. All of those things happened, and it was a, an eruption of, when we say aliens, we're talking about people that are from another place, but they may not be from another planet, but they are just from the heavens, uh, fallen to the land, so to speak. And that's what we seem to have have there. But uh, we, if we pay closer attention to that, I think we get more reality in our understanding. Go ahead, Roger. That's probably why all of those large skeletons that you find all kinds of pictures of from 100 years ago, 150 years ago, they all somehow motivated to the basement of the Smithsonian, where you can't go. I <laughs> know. Yeah. Uh, well, that if, if that's true, and I don't know what it is because I've never seen them. I just hear what people say about them, say about them, and I can't verify what I see on the on well, the internet. If that is true, uh, it would be obvious they're hiding it because it would substantiate what the Bible says. Go ahead. There was pictures. There's pictures of them. They used to be in a museum in Niagara Falls. Well. But again, I, I look at that on the internet, and it all looks real. I've seen those pictures, by the way. But then again, I can't verify it. How could I possibly verify the truth of the matter? Now, I can verify what the... That's not a problem. The verify that the evidence is reliable. But I can't verify those photographs. Okay. Well, listen, we got a slew of people on that, that came on when we were having our little snafu earlier. So let me at least poll everybody. I know we got Jim, we got Kay, we got Chris, and we got Daryl, I believe. Chris, how are you doing this morning? You got anything to add real quick? Question, comment? Well, I do. Uh, to the point of Chinese dissidents, so-called, and these mask actors provoking violence within the crowd trying to incite revolution. And the meeting of the State Department, supposed low-level CIA official, with two of the so-called demonstrators, I would hearken back to Baltimore and down in Charlotte and some of the other places where so-called mask perpetrators in the crowd frequently turn out to be police undercover human resources, 
uh, that gives them cover, and they run back behind the police lines and take off their mask, and yeah. they're back in uniform. Yeah, we saw so they've it. lit the fire of dissent and revolution. Saw it in Canada up at those G20 meetings a number of years ago, too. Uh, it's the common MO. They do it over and over again. Really, that's these guys' Achilles' heel in many respects, is that they've been so successful at what they've done, and they use the old methods again and again, and it makes them somewhat predictable. And I see that at some point as a, at least some uh, edge of an Achilles' heel there. So thanks, Chris. Uh, Daryl, you dropped off and came back. How you doing this morning? You got anything to add? Yeah, <clears throat> I'm I'm doing quite quite wonderful today, Brent. It's wonderful to hear you finally, and and everybody else here. Uh, I I did have a question though, uh, in regards to the aliens. Do we have any distinction as as they are uh, resident? Yeah, what what is their citizenship status and or lack thereof? You know, uh, are they non-resident or? You know, uh, well, you know, Hong Kong. Uh, Hong Kong is a really interesting place because of its separateness. And then when Maggie Thatcher went over there and gave it back to China, and the transition they're trying to go through in those two diametrically opposed economies and political ways of thought. Well, well no, this is this seems to. I'm, I'm sorry, Brent. No, uh, I, I just wanted to point out that this this seems to be a similar strategy that was done in the UK, uh, not the UK, but uh, Ukraine, by uh, the Obama administration as an NGO and uh, Soros with uh, Kagan. Uh, what was her name? Um, oh, uh, you remember this? Yes, I do, and I can't remember her, her yeah. name right off, but I know who you're talking about. Well. Yeah, they spent five billion dollars in order to gin up the uh, the uh, revolution in Ukraine. Uh, she was caught on a Russian audio that was leaked uh, in using some very uh, foul language as regards Europe. And um, I, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I mean, I don't know how many more times that we have to be reminded that this is not the natural unfolding of history and organic events. These are um, uh, machinations for, um, uh, what would I, how would I call this, uh, weaponized humanity, uh, immigration. This is all a form of maintaining, using humans as uh, force multiplier weapons yep. uh, in, in societies. And uh, it, I, I guess maybe we should be, I, I kind of, I, I know I'm talking too much here, but it, it occurs to me, maybe we should be a little thankful that they're just using people in, in this regard as weapons and as offenses instead of using nuclear bombs. I don't know. Um, but we have to get wise to it. I'll, I'll, I'll pause and yield here. Well, you know, it's interesting. This week, Brent, I don't know if you know about the, what Israel did last weekend. It carried over into this week by drone bombing in Syria and Damascus and Beirut. Did you see anything about that? No, I didn't. It's pretty well, they're just interesting. trying to stir up more. 
No, they were trying oh, yeah, to. What, go, what's, what's going on? They were going over there and taking out key people. And it's very interesting the way it unfolded in Beirut. Uh, Rick Wiles and them did a big show on it this week. And what happened okay. was they sent out, they were trying to get this big guy in Beirut, and it was in Beirut's downtown, most luxurious area. Beirut's had a lot of problems okay. over the last four, you yeah. know, number of decades. And they've rebuilt uh-huh. a nice section of it. It's more affluent. And the guy that they were after was in that part of town. And so they sent in a drone first as a reconnaissance drone where they could go uh-huh. in and try and with a with a camera try and find out and see him when he was coming out of a building or something and then they were going to send in the attack drone. And what happened oh, yeah. was some Lebanese kid saw the reconnaissance drone and knocked it out of the air with a rock. And that's <laughs> and there you go. And that screwed up the whole thing. And they here they were going to send in a hit drone into the most affluent area of Beirut. And they did the same thing akin to that over in Damascus. But this is the interesting part: the drones came out of Iraq, which meant they had to come from American bases. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, that kind of snafu. Uh, happened to him this week, but I thought that was particularly appropriate that a kid knocked out the reconnaissance drone out of the sky with a rock and blew the whistle on the whole thing. Well, yeah, a kid with a slingshot can do a lot of damage. Yes, That's sir. Way, David. <laughs> you know, they say in Vietnam that, well, I mean, I see this at a museum, I don't remember, but I heard that uh, they were the, the Viet Cong, the communist with a they were taking bicycle inner tubes and uh rebar uh, or length of rebar about a foot long and a bicycle inner tube and they developed the ability to launch those things up into the air and knock our helicopters out of the sky and go in their rotors and yeah and down the helicopter you know it doesn't take much when the more technology i've even heard that the only way that the that the germans lost world war ii was that they had over-engineered some of their equipment and so one little old bullet hit the wrong thing, the wrong thing on their equipment, and knocked the whole thing out. And I've read about uh, the uh, the tanks that they used. What they call those things? Uh, Panzers. Panzers. Yeah, that they were over. They were engineered because those fellows were good at engineering, but they over-engineered them, and they made them more complex than they should have been. And we were able to knock them out with our less engineered weapons. And the same thing could be true here. You know, the evil empire will, I'm not talking about the Germans. I'm just talking about in general. If you got people over in Hong Kong doing this, uh, inciting trouble, they're going to overplay their hand. The evil always overplays they its d- hand. It wants to go, yeah, go ahead. If they've ahead. done it every time in history, this was yeah. cost them every time yeah. they've tried to take over a country. It's happened, depending on whose uh, list you look at, between 80 and maybe over 100 times. Yeah. They'll overplay their hand, and then they'll go down. But in the meantime, it's a mat- it's a mental game to them, and they know or they believe that a critical mass of the people in America or around the world haven't got their heads in the right place. In other words, they've got their heads up something else, and they're not they're not seeing clearly. They know that, and so they will fill that void with what they want to fill it, the perception they want people to have, and the only way. I say this with conviction. The only way to overcome that controlling perception, and yes, we're all that stupid, and yes, we are all that weak, if we do not fill our minds and have our minds uh, 
overloaded with what God has told us, then that will their perception will come in and fill that void, and it will control us. Because everywhere we look, and I don't care if you go into the grocery store and you're walking, standing in line, walking up to pay for your stuff, your eyes cannot help but be filled with the trash that's on the magazine rack. And that's all of it. Every headline is designed by the useful idiots of the evil empire to distract your mind away from truth, to divert you. And sometimes, a matter of fact, a lot of times, uh, the evil empire will use the truth to distract you to a lie. So the only way to overcome that is to fill your mind with what is certainly the pure truth and to stay in it, to contemplate it, to muse over it. David said, David, king of Israel, said, I'm smarter than all my teachers because I ruminate in thy law. I focus on what you want me to do and therefore, I'm not drug away in fear. I see, of course, the, that fear. See, we're talking about Hong Kong, and we're talking about all the nasty things that are happening. And what's happening there is designed to make people fearful. So I know a fella who lives in a residential community in, a, in the mountains, in a, a nice area. I won't say where of the country to reveal what happened. But uh, he built a little fire in the fi big firebox, a big concrete firebox in his backyard. And it wasn't long till a fire truck showed up. Came back, said, what are you doing? Well, I've got a little fire here, and we're just sitting around the fire after a while. We'll make cook something or just chat. Oh, okay, that's not a problem. Just a, a, yeah, a fire in the backyard. Well, about an hour later, two more trucks showed up from two more uh, fire uh, fire districts and they started getting a little nasty with him and they could have fined him a thousand dollars and right and and he said to them said uh well how did you what what got you onto this it was in the daylight well the neighbor over here called and was all upset and scared i said scared i said scared he said scared scared of what he said uh, well scared that your the fire is going to get out of hand and burn down the community and uh, i didn't uh, think about it at the time, but with, when this fella told me that, it came down to a lot of fear. Now, three fire trucks showed up. Uh, that's a lot of money when they get called out like that. And he said, he even asked this one fella, he said, um, is this, uh, did, did, or did you do this because this woman that lives down the road here? And he said, uh, yeah. I said, so you're really nothing. He said, you're really nothing but an errand boy for uh, uh, scared old women. He said, well, yeah, that's pretty much it. I said, he said, I said to him, he said to me that he told them that he, <laughs> he was an errand boy for the scared women, but he said, the fireman said, I like it because I get bored sitting at the firehouse. But that was a lot of money. Well, that's just a, a micro example of the fear that is inculcated by things like the Paradise Valley Fire. And that particular Paradise Valley Fire that was out in California scared the whole country. Of course, then the stories begin going, about, going around about the smart meters and the control of uh, PG&E or whoever it was on, on what would burn and what wouldn't burn. And you look at the pictures and it looks like it burned the houses. Whether it's for good or evil, the evil empire loves all that confusion because in every case, 
they get the opportunity to step in and take over because people really do get scared. I didn't understand this until not too many years ago. People hide their fear, but they are scared out of their blooming wits. The same thing happened, I mentioned a while ago, with the the riots with uh, Martin Luther King, my grandmother, who's been gone for many years now, but she used to say, well, Martin Luther King goes down south and stirs everybody up, and then he runs, runs back up north and hides behind the Bible. That was her take on it. Well, I think that was fundamentally true, but there was there's nothing, nothing in the will of God revealed to us that gives us leave to eat, participate in marches, riots, all that foolishness. That's all of the evil empire. And the Christian folk are caught up in the madness. No, a thousand times no. That's what, not what we're ordered to do. We're ordered to live pure and clean lives, not go stir trouble. And that's what that is. And then it gives an opportunity, you see, to the evil empire to step in and take over, and they always do. Even these people that are marching about abortion. It'd be very careful about things like that. The evil empire will step in and get what they want out of the confusion. They'll, they'll make confusion out of it. And I know people are insincere, and some of my dear friends do that. And maybe there's a way they can do it without allowing that kind of trouble to be stirred, without allowing themselves to be useful idiots of the evil empire. But it does happen. It can get out of hand real quick. And now, once it gets out of hand, that's when they step in. War. When war occurs, they step in. And they say, oh, now we need to control the monetary system, the Bretton Woods Agreement after World War II. And it's always the wrong people, Roger. Go ahead. To quote Rahm Emanuel, never let a good crisis go to waste. Oh, that's exactly a good point. Uh, He said it point blank, and let's not forget it. Don't participate. And make sure the whores a vacuum. That's right. Uh, Listen, Kay's gotten back with us, and we, we, we get... So, so you know, few calls from sweet, nice ladies. It's always good to recognize them. Kay, did you get back on with us, dear? Oh, hi. Yes. Hello. Hello. Can you hear? Hear you can fine. You hear me okay? Yeah, everything's cool okay. now. Okay. Well, you know, I called in uh, early because um, there was, you know, I've been ill and about. Eight or nine days ago, there was a conversation that I really wanted to take part in, but I didn't really fill up to to tell you the truth. I felt like I needed to, um, you know, cool my heels and kind of think about it and and, uh, get my thoughts together because, again, I just haven't been feeling well. And so I called in because I was hoping to just, get this out of the way, and then you guys could all go and talk about what you were Because I would like to go back to the topic about eight or nine days ago. Would that be okay? Yeah, Kay, I think that's the day when I stuck a replay in last week on Thursday, and you called in thinking it was a live show, if that's right. But whatever that, whatever the circumstances, we welcome your question. Okay, thank you. Um, good. So, it has to do with Thomas Jefferson. Uh, in the last, gosh, I guess it's two weeks, I've heard now three times on different, um, you know, channels that are patriot-oriented, at least I think they are, a condemnation of Thomas Jefferson. And I maybe it was like 10 days ago. I, I forget. I'm so sorry. 
that somebody had called in, and I don't know the man's name, and he said that Thomas Jefferson had not written the Declaration of Independence, that it was written by Thomas Paine. And he kept him on. There was a conversation developed. And then I felt a little sick and I had to leave. And I don't really know what what happened, but I've been thinking. thinking. And so um, I want to just kind of go over this because he's a founding father. And he's a main founding father. And I wanted to add maybe a little voice, because he, he said this without any evidence whatsoever, no historical evidence, not even some um, link that you could go to to find out why he was saying this or something like that. This is not to take away anything from Thomas Paine, by the way. But I wanted to add a little flavor, if I could, because I'm an author, and I've been an author now as my profession for 25 years. And I wanted to make the point that when I write creatively, I cannot read other people's work. I, I just can't do it because it seeps into my own writing, their turn of phrase, uh, their, their tone of the whole story, the way they plot develop. Hold on just a second, Chris, uh, uh, Kay. Hold on. Just hold your thought because you guys that are on the background, mute your phones out, please. If you can, because Kay's, Kay's connection is a little spotty anyway, and I want to be sure we hear what she says accurately. Go ahead, Kay. Let me get to another place. This is a cell phone. Is this a little better? Yep. Okay. Okay. So anyway, um, as a writer, I know that other people influence you. I can't, when I'm creatively writing, I can't read other people. I even noticed recently, because Brent, I've been reading your books, and I listen to the different things that you have on your channel, and I've even noticed lately uh, one thing that I was doing, <laughs> and I went, oh my gosh, that sounds like Brent. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Brent. I had, so I had to go back and go, okay, so maybe I can say this in a different way. Um, but, so, we all know, I was this in school, and even that movie, uh, 1776, goes into this. Thomas Jefferson was reading Thomas Paine when he was in Congress and asked to write the different the Declaration of Independence. So if there is a, an affinity between the two, and if they sound somewhat, you know, similar, it could very well be that he was reading Thomas Paine, and which had an influence over him. Thomas Paine influenced so an entire generation of people. It doesn't make what Thomas Jefferson did less. And it doesn't make what he accomplished less. Um, and also, I have the idea that kind of in saying this, you know, with no historical record and no evidence or anything to back it up, to a slight degree, it was a degradation of our other founding fathers. You know, when you think about it, because then you're going, well, if that's true, why didn't someone say something? Why didn't someone speak to you? You see what I mean? It's just kind yeah, of... No, 
I think your point is very well made and very, very plausible. And I, for my own personal situation here doing the show, is I stopped listening to all, all other Patriot Radio for the most part a few years ago because of exactly what you said. I didn't want that influence seeping in on what we do here because what we do here is generally very unique and I want to keep it that way. Yes, definitely. And now this is, but that's only, like I said, there's two other instances on other things that I've listened to that have really, one of them very much denigrated um, Thomas Jefferson and reached ridiculous conclusions with no evidence and not, not even, not even, not nothing. It was just all speculation that, as Brent would say in his book, it was all this scholastic reasoning, and none of it was based on anything that really happened, no evidence whatsoever. And so I wanted to kind of make the point, if I could, that, and I don't know exactly when this was entered into the congressional record, the 45 goals to destroy the U.S. from the book The Naked Communist. And number 30 is, it reads, discredit the American founding fathers, present them as selfish aristocrats who had no concern for the common man. And one of those Patriot channels did exactly that. Yep. It could have been scripted from that. One of the, uh, one of the other points there in Cleon, was it Cleon or Leon? I think it was Cleon Skousen's book, The Naked Communist, was to take over the FBI, too. <laughs> I think they've accomplished a lot of them. Kay, you probably didn't hear, weren't listening, and tuned back in when Brent was telling us a while back about his trip up to Boston uh, last year, year before last, and the experiences you had. Why don't you relay those to Kay and the audience again, Brent? Oh, no, no, that was worth, that's worth repeating just to get a flavor of what the evil empire does. And I pre preface the story with saying, and this replies to what, he was saying also, okay, uh, uh, a jackass kicked a lion once, but the lion was dead. And there are a lot of jackasses out kicking down barns, but there are very few people that really have the willingness to build a barn. Any jackass can kick down a barn. Any jackass can kick a dead lion. Now, these men, I don't hold them in high veneration. I just know they were used of God. They were men just like me, just like the rest of us. They were besought and beset with temptations and uh, problems. And when you read about their lives, their lives were filled with problems and disappointments, just like us. And uh, as it says of, of the prophets of the Older Testament, we're not Islamic people. We don't believe that uh, the people that helped us along in the past and did things that we've benefited from, we don't believe they're perfect. The Islamic man believes that the prophets, like Muhammad, was perfect. He never sinned. Well, the Bible doesn't even say that about the prophets of the Bible. It says that they were men like us, men like us. And that's what these men were like. They were men like us that God used for our benefit. And sometimes they didn't understand what they were doing. Sometimes they even had the wrong motive. Did Tom Jefferson pin the Declaration of 76? Well, let's say that he didn't. It still says the right things. Did he did he plagiarize John Locke? I think that's pretty clear. Yes. 
Well, it's yeah. still, but it still says the right things. Did he plagiarize Tom Paine? No, that's not clear. He didn't plagiarize Tom Paine. Tom Paine said a lot of good things, too, in common sense. Common sense was a, an argument from the Bible as to why we, should, we don't need a king. From the Bible. Was Tom Paine a Christian? No. He was a rank, ugly atheist. And he, when he died, they couldn't even find three people, to, much less six, to carry his, to carry his, uh, his casket. He was, buried, he was buried at the graveside uh, there, I think it was, well, Pennsylvania, I don't remember, but I remember this. Nobody showed up. It was a gloomy, wet, drizzly day. He, he was off, way off, but he knew this. He knew he couldn't appeal to Americans unless he put it in biblical terms, and so he did. That's why uh, uh, common sense was so well known. Did he say the truth? Oh, he said the truth in that pamphlet, Common Sense. Many of us, I hope to hope to my God that I that I say the truth, not be, because I'm a good guy and know what to say. No, because if God uses me, He uses me, and I want Him to use me. I'm, I'm, I want to be used to say the truth, even though I'm imperfect. Was Tom Jefferson right-headed? Yes, he was right-headed about many things. Was he wrong-headed about things? Yes, he was wrong-headed about one thing in particular. I'm aware of. He he didn't acknowledge the depravity of the heart of every man. I know I'm not getting direct. I'll get directly to your question, but I want to say this about Tom Jefferson. Uh, and God used him. There's no question. God used George Washington, who was a Freemason. He used him too. God can use anybody he wants to use. He can make a jackass talk the truth. We have uh, evidence of that in the word in the Bible itself. And he can make a man who doesn't even know what he's saying say the truth. That we have evidence of that in Gamaliel. Uh, the the high priest of that year, not knowing he was prophesied. God does what he wants to do. And nobody calls his hand, and he uses anybody he wants to use. And we better be paying attention. The Romans used to recognize that. They said it's good to learn even from your enemies. Because God will teach you using the darndest things, the things you might not guess. But Tom Jefferson was one of the founders of the University of Virginia. And uh, he had a, a reading list for all students there. And among those was Algernon Sidney's uh, Discourses of Government. Tom Jefferson, when he got so old that he couldn't really even walk that well, about that time, his whole idea was when the University of Virginia was founded that the students would govern themselves because he believed men could govern themselves and uh, young men could be taught to and could do it. Well, about a half a dozen young men from the University of Virginia got to drinking and went on a, a spree of crime. They beat up, beat up some old elderly people, almost like clockwork work orange, and stole what they had and just for the sake of being evil. They did what they did. Well, then they, they, the people at the university didn't know what to do. These were the best Virginia had to offer. For, you know, The blue bloods that were at the University of Virginia. So they had a meeting of all of the student body and all of the faculty, and they had a platform. And Tom Jefferson, I've been at the University of Virginia. I know just where that platform would have been standing. It's a beautiful campus. And uh, he was on the platform, and they wanted him to say something, to bring sanity to their minds, to, to bring order to their minds, because they had this belief that these young men could govern themselves, and they found out it didn't happen. And they had to help him up to the podium, and they got him up in his cane, and they helped him to the podium so he would give them a word of encouragement. And he started, he tried to talk, and he broke down and wept and wept and wept. Why did he weep? And he didn't say much anything, because he finally came to the realization, in his old age, 
that his Pollyannish idea of the ability of men to govern themselves had gone too far. And it had. Can men govern themselves? The answer is yes, they can, as he had said. But he didn't have it exactly right because he denied what the first founders of America believed with all their hearts across the board, that men are dangerous creatures. And without the Spirit of God invading their bodies and controlling them, to some degree restraining their sin, uh, nothing but ugliness will happen. Tom Jefferson learned that lesson through that particular experience, amazingly. But that's not to say that what he said wasn't true. He did, he did plagiarize, and there's nothing wrong with that. He who never quotes is never quoted, and there's nothing the Bible says that has not been said before. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it's, uh, Solomon says that. But Tom Jefferson learned that lesson, and it has been my experience, just to put a personal testimony out there, like we used to do at home when I was growing up. One of the hardest things I've had to learn in life, I learned early on the truth of the depravity of man. I learned it as a matter of, uh, as a matter of just intellectual learning. I knew it. I was told it. I believed it. I've always believed it since I was pretty little. But to actually, actually grasp it and to understand it and to accept it and to live it, that's quite another matter. Because all of us, I think, if we're if we have any decency in our souls, we want to believe the other fella isn't as dangerous as, as he is. And we want to believe that we're not as dangerous as, as the Bible says we are, but we are. And without Jesus Christ giving us full, full, springing us from the punishment of sin by taking on the sacrifice, taking on the our sin in his sacrifice, paying the penalty, and then the receipt of the Spirit of God, the gumption of breath of God in our lives, Without that, we don't stand a dog's chance and you know where. And Tom Jefferson came to that realization. But, Roger, you had asked me to comment concerning, now I've forgotten. What was it, Roger? Your trip to Boston, particularly when you were getting the tour. Yes, and this was wrong, to bring it back to the balance of the matter. And I went to the, I went to the, I was walking along the street, and I saw there was a graveyard, and I walked up into the graveyard, and it was the graveyard of the old, uh, where they used to make rope and sails. It was a, then it turned into a cattle pasture later on, and all the stones had fallen down, and some fellow was using it for a cattle pasture. Finally, somebody came along and took all the stones that were scattered about like bombshells all over the graveyard, stomped into the mud, dug them all out, and put them all up. Didn't have a clue. <laughs> where they were supposed to go. So there are just lines of, of, uh, of, of stones there. The only grave that I found in that graveyard, it's very small, the only one I found that was in the proper place, I believe, was the parents of Ben Franklin. I believe that was it. Yeah, we know where they are. But there, J- James Otis, the man that argued the writs of assistance, his stone was there, and a lot of other well-known folk in that old graveyard in Boston. And there was a crowd of people down in one corner, and there was a a young girl dressed up like a man with a three-cornered hat, and she had a, a, a loudspeaker in her hand and a bottle of water on her side in this old colonial outfit. And I had never heard such ugliness spewed out about any, anybody in my life. And talking about the founding fathers and the people gathered around, she was the official tour guide, and she was talking about how selfish, how they were all racist, selfish men, that wanted to do nothing but take care of themselves. 
and they enriched themselves and then went into great detail about it. And I stood at the back of the gathered crowd for a while and I said, this is, this is too much. And the blood rose up in my face and I stopped and I said, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. You are a talking head. That's all you are. And it was clear that she had memorized it. She was a, a, a professional actress of sorts. And on drugs, it looked to me like I've been around a lot of people on drugs. People say, oh, what do you know about it, Brent? You're not a drug addict. That's true. But I've been around a lot of people on a lot of different kind of drugs through my life. And you get so you kind of recognize who's on uppers and who's on downers. And uh, she was clearly on uppers and, and uh, had to take drugs just to do what she was doing. Probably was paid a lot of money. But the onslaught of the evil empire to degrade, degrade dead, dead men, to pay jackasses to kick dead lions who cannot respond back, and that's not really according to due process. It shouldn't be done. Do we need to be honest about our founding fathers and say they were men like us? Yes. Do we need to take into account their personalities? Yes, and their struggles? Yes, just like we do the prophets of the Bible. But we don't need to degrade them into, into being the evil men themselves. They weren't. They were men that God used in all of their struggles and ugliness. And I, I can point out, a lot of things about George Washington that weren't right, Tom Jefferson, John Adams, and James Madison, uh, I can do that. Anybody could do it. All you got to do is read about their lives, and you begin to see what their struggles were and their families and how messed up their families got because of the terror. Ben Franklin had a son that joined the British and tried to destroy his own father. He didn't leave him a dime, and he said in his will, uh, I'm not going to leave any money to my son because he spent his life trying to destroy my fortune by aiding the British. Well, <laughs> hey, that's reality. That's where life is. But let's just look at men and even look at men that aren't Christian men like Tom Paine, who hated God, and say, even though he hated God, all things work together for good to them who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8:28. But he was used of God. Everybody out here who thinks they're fighting God, God's playing them like a, like a fiddle. And they don't even know it. And he's Henry VIII. Henry VIII, the nastiest SOB, son of Belial, that ever sat on the throne of England, or among them anyway. Six wives, had three of their heads chopped off and got rid of the other three. And yet, without question, God used him. Did God use Barack Obama? Without question. We interviewed uh, uh, Larry Pratt last week, Roger. Yeah. And I brought up at the end of the interview about him, him talking to uh, Morgan, uh, what's that guy's name? The the English commentator, the so left wing wacko. Piers Morgan. Uh, Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan. And, uh, oh, he was nasty, utterly nasty to Larry Pratt. You can go to YouTube and watch it. And Larry Pratt just laughed and smiled and said yes, yes, and talked to him. And he said that was the best thing that ever happened to gun owners of America for people signing up to be members. So uh, what you think is bad is good, and what you think is good is bad. And when it comes back to it, we don't know. And that's what tr happened in the Garden of Delight, that um, they were fed the lie that they could know everything, to, to really discern in every situation good from evil. No, we can't do that. That's why we are, we are dependent creatures. We're dependent. Of, uh, William Blackstone makes this point in the first volume of his commentaries. We have to start by saying that man is a dependent creature at every conceivable point. Why? Because he's a creature. That's why he's a created person. And uh, But the evil empire is out to do the things that violate the law of God. I don't understand all of that, but it is wrong, as a matter of evidence, for jackasses to kick dead lions. I'll say that again and close, Roger. Go ahead. 
Wow, a uh, mouthful. Um, Kay? Wow. I was going to say, and not very eloquently like you just put it, I was going to say that it's easy to say bad things about dead people and because they cannot respond and defend yeah. themselves. Yeah, and I remember. That's right. Well, I always I wonder if all the signers of the Declaration were so evil, why all of them died penniless. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, when when the television first came into Congress, it came uh, during the time when Newt Gingrich was a uh, little less known, but he came, he became well known because by the time the televisions came into Congress to broadcast to the nation uh, what the speeches that were made in Congress, the congressmen seldom ever showed up in the chamber. They would be in their offices watching on closed TV, and when it came time for a vote, and I know I've been in their offices when it comes time for a vote, they get a little signal, and they run over there and vote, and then they run back to their office again. They, they don't listen to anything anybody says in the speeches unless they want to, and that seldom happens. So what Newt Gingrich, decide, Gingrich decided he would do in those early days, that since there was nobody in the chamber, he would make a speech, an impassioned speech about something, and then he, he would say, does anybody here disagree? Well, nobody was in the chamber, so nobody disagreed. <laughs> and then he said, well, that's what he'd wait a minute. Then he'd say, well, that's what I thought. You know, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> and, uh, well, it's easy to, um, if nobody, if the other person isn't there to object, uh, then, uh, you can say what you want, but it's wrong fundamentally to not acknowledge that they aren't there. And that's what, that's what the evil empire does. Now, I can talk about men that are dead and say they were good men or bad men. Uh, Tom Paine wouldn't complain, or he d didn't complain while he was alive if men called him a heathen uh, and a, a, a blight to his society. Well, he was in many ways because he denied the God that made him. And he supported the bloodletting of the French Revolution because he was, he was untethered. Was he smart? Oh, he was very smart. And he knew politically he had to appeal to Christian men and women. That's why he wrote Common Sense the way he did. Otherwise, he'd have been wasting his time. And keep in mind, too, that public men, such as the men we call our, our founding fathers, I don't like to call them our fathers because Jesus Christ said, call no man father, whether it be the Pope of Rome or some priest or the founders. I like to call them the founders or the, uh, the first fathers in the sense that uh, that's even pushing it a little far. The first founders, I'd, I'd be better to say, but these men knew, and any man in public knows, that the way you get people to follow you is to say to them what they think. Put in words their own thoughts and repeat it back to them because most people are not folks that spend their lives wordsmithing. They're men and women that spend their lives working or trying to make something of themselves outside of the, the use of words. And because of that, uh, men in public life learn that that's how you do it, and that's how they become well-known. But we, we must remember with these folks that are, were our founders, they weren't really the ones that made it happen. They, they, they died penniless, yes, but they couldn't have done it. They couldn't have done it without the rank-and-file American. He's the one that believed these things. There was a critical mass of, of men like him, and that's the ones they had to persuade. And the only way to persuade a man is to put in words, what he thinks himself. And that becomes the skill of the public man, and that's what Tom Jefferson and George Washington and these others did. Now, many times, what they said, they, they believed. Of course they did. Uh, but they were able to put it in words. And 
uh, we have to be careful with politicians today and remember that they understand this very well, as Tom Paine did. Don't think that these are good men. I don't care who they are. The Bible says there are no good men, including us. That's why we say we are not a government of men. We're a government of law, which means the will of the sovereign. We're a government of the will of our lawgiver. That's what we're a government, and that's what we are to look to, not to men, ultimately. Back to you, Roger. Um, Kay, you want to respond to any of that? I guess not. I had a question. Okay, there's Cody. Yeah, I'm sorry. We've had a lot of people on today, and, and we'll call through all of it. Cody, what's your contribution? Well, he's talking, Brett was talking about the law, and I've had kind of a question on my mind where, especially National Liberty Alliance, they're talking about how, you know, they, they've obfuscated the common law with the statute law. So, Brett, when is, when is the statute law, in theory, when should that be used, or when is that legal compared to, you know, everybody saying that, that, you know, they've, they've used the statute law improperly nowadays. I'm trying to understand that. Is the, is the statute law only proper, you know, in contracts and not not for criminal no. proceedings? Or what's no, your opinion the, on all that? Statute, the, the, our common law is popularly said and wrongly said, and this is the definition that lawyers get out of law school, and they do it by osmosis. Nobody really says it. But they say, oh, the common law is the opinions of the judges, and the statute law is the, is the, the, the declaration of the legislature. That's not common law. Well, that's not true. Never has been true, never will be true. Why? Because every person in government, and all three branches of government, have the same responsibility to, to support our Constitution, which is common law. It is common law. That's who we are. And uh, when the legislature passes a statute, they have a responsibility to do it, to pass a statute that comports and supports the standards, the due processes of our common law. And if they don't do that, then we have the courts and the president, the president to say, no, I will not support that statute. I will not enforce it. And the courts to say, no, this is unconstitutional. And the same principles then apply to the States, the governor being uh, analogous to the president and the state legislature analogous to the Congress, etc. That's common law government, where every person has the responsibility, including you, not just the branches of government, even including you, to decide what is constitutional and what isn't, and to follow the law in resisting it if it isn't constitutional. And there are due process requirements of that. Cody, can I, can I add something in here, Brent? And Brent has a wonderful way of simplifying this. And you've got the laws of nature and nature's God, and you can call that the common law. And you've got man-made laws, and that's the law of the city, and those are the statutes, codes, and regulations you're referring to. There's only two groups here. Okay, and I understand your confusion because I went through this for many years, but the clarification is simplicity, and Brent's got it simplified as about as well as anybody I've ever heard. Well, what, what you hear people say is, you know, those laws don't apply to me because, you, know, okay. you know, it's not a crime unless you hurt somebody. So no. is that true that, that these statute laws where the state claims that you've injured somebody in the state's going to sue for the injured party is that technically valid with our constitutional principles well sure if, if it well <laughs> come back the constitution of the united states 
is to, is is a brief of common law government. Our Constitution of the United States does not cover anything but our relationship to the government and how the government is supposed to respond to things and how the three branches of government interact with each other. It's a process document about how, H-O-W, not what, but how the government is supposed to work and the limits then they have, that limits them as to us. The rest of the body of our common law has to do with what goes on between us and uh, our relationship relationships among one another. But statute legislatures have the same responsibility as judges to to say things and do things and act in consonance with our common law but it is true then that the other branches each of the branches if the if the courts of our united states uh, government say that sodomy is legal and men should marry one another if they want to and we're going to recognize that then the president and the congress have a duty to say no and pass legislation over trying to overcome that. And the president has the power to say, I'm not enforcing that throughout the bureaucracies of the United States. No way. They have a duty to do that. And vice versa. But to say, oh, the Congress, they're, they're not common law branch of government. No, they're part of our common law tradition and common law government. As Fortescue said back in the 14th century, and other people have said, and it is necessary that we have this branch. How can you have a common law government without there being financial support for government? How can there not be financial? How can there be financial support if there isn't the power of Congress to lay and collect taxes wherever they, wherever the law allows them to do that? Then there are many other questions that arise about that. But just yeah. fundamentally, fundamentally, people say, "Oh, that's statutes are not common law." That's not true. Well, Statutes may be common law. It depends upon whether they comport with yeah. the law. Go ahead. Uh, Cody, let me say this. This is why they had to pull this off with the 14th Amendment, because that gives them the jurisdiction to write and make man-made laws and form all those government agents right. with all those agents and come. What is every one of them? You can go back to the Code of Federal Regulations. There's 50 titles. And all but one, Title 26, their jurisdictional statements on the front page, the first page of each one of them, and their jurisdictional statement is residence. Only in 26 do they have both of them there, both statuses, the law of the city and the law of the country, but they change it to non-resident alien so you won't know who the heck they're talking about. It's but all we, jurisdiction. All jurisdiction. This whole thing is jurisdiction. How do they have the power to make man-made laws and enforce them on me? But do they have jurisdiction? And the answer is no, they don't. And just because Congress says it, see, we're back to the common law again. Just because Congress says they have jurisdiction, that doesn't mean they do. It could be unconstitutional. It could be contrary to the laws of nature's God. And, and in is. fact, it is. Go ahead. And that's yeah. where they've had to use so fraud to get this thing started and pull it off. And that's why the affidavit works, is it uncovers their fraud and it shifts the presumption that's been on you that you are in their jurisdiction from the time you took your first breath. Well, so, uh, Roger, <laughs> yes. uh, Daryl here, if yes. I might. Uh, I, uh, it, it may not sound like it, but I, I'm actually very much in complete agreement with uh, Brent's premise. Uh, my only question is, 
Uh, if they don't have jurisdiction, why are so many people in prison? <laughs> because they have because they have, because they have power, and there's a difference between. Uh, I'm making the distinction between jurisdiction and power. For instance, it's across the board. The juries. People say, does the jury have uh, jurisdiction? to decide the law, to rule on the law, and the answer is yes. Uh, but do they have, but some people say, well, they don't have jurisdiction, they just have the power. Well, that's not true, but there's a difference. For example, uh, people have said to me, and I had a client once that was a collector of Nazi memorabilia, had a whole warehouse full of stuff, and he said, well, you know, he was talking to me about it, he said, you know, the, the, the legislature in, um, in Germany gave Hitler the authority to be chancellor and have absolute power. And they gave him that jurisdiction, the authority. And I said, now, wait a minute. How could the legislature of Germany give full, unending, unlimited authority to a single man when they didn't have that to start with? You cannot impart what you do not possess. Congress does not have authority to give away something they don't have or give it to somebody. Uh, to pass. In other words, any unconstitutional law any a lawless law has no force at all. That's all I'm saying. Not to say, and I understand your your point entirely, that there are a lot of people in prison, and this is they can they take away our rights? No, they don't have authority to do that. Can they stop us stop us from from enjoying our rights, our fundamental rights? Yes, they can. Why? Because they have guns, whips, cages, aircraft carriers, Marine Corps, whatever they want to use to stop us. That doesn't mean they so, have authority. Go ahead, Brian. go ahead, Daryl. Well, so, uh, yeah, I, and I, I'm in 100% agreement with uh, your premise. Uh, so uh, their quasi-pseudo-jurisdiction quasi is imposed and enforced through tyranny. And, and this, this needs to, this, well, you know, they have the keys to the cage and the, gun, the bullets to the gun. So they enforce this quasi-pseudo-jurisdiction through... Uh, well, through brute force, if need be, uh, that doesn't make it legitimate. So right. I, I take your point. I take your point, and I appreciate it. And all this serves to, for me is to provide a, a an illumination and distinction as to the tyranny and oppression that we have a duty to uh, rebut and refute. Um. And the other yeah. day, no, the I'm other, with you. I, I sent a, I sent, I sent a paraphrase of the learned hand quote. You know, to claim one rights, one must be a belligerent claimant. I sent it over to Cody the other day, and Cody, I had, I don't think he'd ever heard a learned hand before, and he went and searched him out, and he sent me a list of his quotes on this quote page. And one of them was really enlightening. He says, "In this country, we have two forms of government, and they're both constitutional." What in the world? What that was from Learned Hand. Okay, we talking oh, about. Oh, the two Yeah, the one before oh. the bankruptcy and the one after, the one that's talked about in Downs v. Bidwell by uh, uh, the great dissenter Judge Harlan. All those things. I mean, people have recognized it. They just hadn't been able to do anything about it because the power behind the scenes—that's the marionette here—is uh, is so powerful. Well, then and, they can't both be constitutional, though, Roger. Well, that's he might what have been he right said. On 
you know. He said they're constitutional. Well, again, learned in hand is not the lawgiver either. No. He's just a man. God has used him. But here's what I'm objecting to. I'm objecting to ever saying that they have jurisdiction or authority to do anything like what they're doing. Uh, we can, If we're going to argue this and we're going to assert our rights, we have to say, no, you don't have jurisdiction to do that. And we don't want to speak in terms that words are what they live by. And they, they're wordsmiths. And I don't want to say, well, you, the, the 14th Amendment gave you jurisdiction, and I'm going to stop you. No, the 14th Amendment may not have given them any jurisdiction at all. The 14th Amendment may be unconstitutional, which is the same thing some people say. Sure. They're saying the Constitution is unconstitutional. Well, that's not true. The point is, is what they've added, is that constitutional? This gets confusing. And if you talk enough, people say you're talking in circles. I don't want to talk in circles. But it is true, for example, if you say... A person has a right to do something. Uh, for example, a police officer, he has a gun on his hip, a 9 millimeter, and he has a flashlight in his hand, and he has a badge on his chest. The badge is the sign of his authority. The gun is not only the sign, but also the reality of his power. Now, he can take that gun and, and shoot somebody without authority, which happens a lot, without authority, and then he has abused, uh, he has stepped outside of his authority. That doesn't mean that he had authority to do it. Well, that's what the government is doing. They have force, they have force, and they have authority. The flag of the United States represents the authority. It's flown over aircraft carriers. That represents the authority of the people of the United States. But if the skipper of that aircraft carrier says, I think I'll go bomb Sydney, Australia today because I want to see how our bombs and our airplanes work. Well, uh, he may be flying the flag of the authority of the United States, but he has exceeded, gone outside that authority, and he's not been done nothing but exercise raw, ugly power. Did the Japanese have authority to bomb Pearl Harbor? No, they didn't have authority to do that. But they flew a flag that said they had authority. They said, by our authority, yeah. and we say, well, that's not enough authority. Well, I've talked enough about well, it. I'd I, say, I get I'm you know, they, they put us in this condition through bankruptcy and, and, and all the mechanizations of that. But this is what that the conclusion I've come to uh, in my posturing here is that you can sit back and take that opinion and you're right. OK, but if you do go ahead and tell them, and especially in an official capacity, now you can hold their feet to the fire. And the way that anybody beats these guys is you stand up to them. Okay. Now, I was going to mention earlier in the show on that drone thing, and in, in the conversation, it slipped my mind. On the tweet after those drone attacks this week, Netanyahu quoted the Talmud in his tweet. And that's what Rick Wiles and them were talking about. And he said, if someone comes to kill you, rise up and kill them first. And that's a Talmud. Who said that? Netanyahu oh, yeah, in yeah, a yeah. tweet. Yeah, yeah. Well, these guys yeah. are coming to kill us. So, according to their rules, we should be able yeah. to stand up and slay their butts. Yeah. Well, well if they make that declaration, uh, guns, go ahead, Daryl. Go ahead. Well, I, it just occurred to me while I was listening to you talk about, um, uh, well, respond to uh, Roger's statement about the uh, Downs of E. Bidwell and Learning Hand that. Uh, and your response to that, that uh, it occurred to me that uh, yeah, Learned Hand had used sleight of hand, which was his, his <laughs> verbal cousin. <laughs> Thank you and, for the levity. Uh, well, you know, uh, I, I, I take I, I take uh, 
uh, I listened very closely to everything our esteemed uh, law scholar uh, were privileged to have, Mr. Brent Winters. I listened very closely. I do this for many reasons. One of them is to find errors in my thinking and uh, knowledge, and then hopefully this leads to understanding. Uh, knowledge is different than understanding. And we have a lot of uh, very stupid, knowledgeable people. Uh, and so uh, I appreciate I appreciate these opportunities to um, learn. And uh, so, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Brad. Well, let me, we had a slew of people well, call in here. Yeah. Let me recognize, I think the one I see is still on is Doug. And Doug tried to call in last Friday, and we preempted him, and I don't want to do that two weeks in a row. Douglas, how are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty fine and dandy. And please don't take those words and uh, examine them all because I don't know what they mean. <laughs> uh, I'm doing okay. And this is a very intriguing, as every show is. Uh, so I thought I'd add my two cents to this. And starting from where we're at right now, uh, backwards. I I don't know. I was trying to remember. I know I've uh, I, I'm affiliated with Learned Hand. What uh, organization or religion was he affiliated with? Can you fill me Brent, in? On how that? much of his history? Now, I don't know too much about him, but he's got the best judge name I've ever come across. What do you know about <laughs> him? I think he was an appellate judge. They never let him get any higher than that. Isn't that right, Brent? I think he was uh, on the panel of the what's called the Court of Appeals of New York. In New York State, their their uh, court system is named backwards to every other state. They call their Supreme Court the trial court, which is really pretty accurate. <laughs> that's that's where the jury is. So they call the trial court. They call they still do. They call the trial court the Supreme Court, and the. Uh, uh, the, the what other states call the final court of last resort in that jurisdiction, they call the court New York Court of Appeals. And back in the 1920s, um, the panel of the New York Court of Appeals, people have said, was the sharpest panel of judges that we've ever had in America. And uh, Learned Hand was, if, I'm, I'm shooting from the hip a little, but I think he was a member of that court. So he wrote things that were memorable. And he put phrases, he, I think Learned Hand, the one that distinguished between tax evasion and um, tax, tax avoidance. avoidance. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and he said, if you, uh, if you go to the Potomac Red River Bridge, across it, he said, I do that in the morning. Or if I come up to that bridge and there's a lot of traffic, if I go turn and go up river, uh, or, yeah, up river a couple of miles and cross that bridge, I've done a great service to... Uh, the public because I've helped alleviate traffic and I get across the river and I come back. He said, that's tax avoidance. But if I come up to the toll gate on that bridge and crash the gate and don't pay the toll, I'm a tax evader because I didn't pay the toll. And he made that distinction. Of course, the IRS now is trying to say there is no difference. And that's what they were even trying to say back then. But what religious point of view he was, I don't know. But I thought I might look here while we're Well, I can tell you, on that subject, I've heard a couple other people comment on that. One of them said the difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion is a cell uh, wall. Yeah. 
Well, the IRS now has come up with something called evasion with an A instead of an E to try to combine the two because they couldn't get the job done. That's how evil they are. And they're supposed to actually, that's evil, dirty, rotten. People can avoid taxes clearly by just saying, I'm not going to make any money. If I don't make any money, I can't pay in. I'll live under a bridge in a cardboard box and then I can't be taxed. Well, you can do that if you want. And um, there's, no, there's no law against not making money. You make, the less money you make, the less taxes you're going to pay uh, as a matter of income tax. But no, I don't know, Doug. And uh, here's another. I would have to look. Here's another good one that came into my mind. Cause there's a couple of these wonderful quotes on taxation that I came across over the years. And one of them said, the art of taxation is like plucking a goose. The object is to get the most feathers with the less hiss. Ow. 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 Well, that's really, and it's funny because it's true. That's what people, that's what the, the tax man really tries to do. He doesn't care how he gets it. He'll lie to you. He'll try to intimidate you. He'll try to give you the wrong interpretation or application of the law uh, whatever it takes there is no limit to what they will do that's been my my observation well you know this thing with shane recently in that letter i wrote last week that's what kind of got uh -huh. me thinking about yes. the ability of what this affidavit and how powerful it is because once you've exposed their fraud you can hold their feet to the fire Okay, uh -huh. and they seem to recognize it. Okay, after eight and a half years of everything that I've been through, and all these shows, and all the people that have been th exposed to this information, I guarantee you there's a bunch of them that have sent that thing in that I don't know about, and not one oh. case of blowback in any respect. It's almost like, and I can see why that they're scared to death when of getting exposed. They can't stand the exposure, and their one whole card is the fact that the populace is so damn dumb that they even realize that most of them will never pick up on it. Roger, let me shift gears here a little bit and then read a quote from a uh, learned hand. He said uh, his father died when he was 52 years old, and he said he had never known the reality of Jesus Christ like he knew it after his father died. Well, there you go. Let me read. If, if you could imagine one half the comfort my religion has given to me in this terrible loss, you would see that Christ never forsakes those who cling to him, said learned hand. And he was heavily influenced by his Calvinist family members including apparently his mother. So he was very much in the tradition of the Puritans. Uh, he was what folk call Reformed Calvinist. Well, if you're Reformed Calvinist, you believe that God is big and nothing escapes his will. Not, not that we can explain that. You just acknowledge that he is the giver of all things. We have nothing that, we, uh, that have, has not come from him, including our will, our will to even do what he wants us to do our eyes, our ears, our understanding, our minds, and what we think. Let's um, see, his mother was Calvinist. Calvinist, that means, as some people say, reformed. That means she followed the, the doctrines, the teachings of the Puritans and the, the Scottish Presbyterians that came to America, the English Puritans and the Scottish Presbyterians. And uh, so apparently, whatever the case, and early on, he discovered that his 
that, that he discovered that God was big and he worshiped him through the only mediator that our God allows us, and that's Jesus Christ. Not Mary, not the Pope, not the priesthood, and that we can embrace God, as John Wycliffe said, under the open vault of heaven if we want to. Go ahead. Doug, did that address any? Samuel joined us. I don't want to not get to him, so we'll get to you in uh, well, a minute, Samuel. Yeah, Go ahead, I did, Doug. Uh, well, I'm just glad to introduce uh, my two cents into these things because I've been about my father's business, the creator's business, for like five decades. And I, my, my main basic rule for thought and uh, practice is the scriptures. And so... Um, uh, one of the things Brent said, and, and there was a guy, uh, he might still be alive. He, I, I believe he moved to Arkansas some years ago that I listened to quite a few times by the name of Eric Williams. And he was very, um, uh, the way he put things, was it made sense to me and he and one of the his examples was look according to i'm not quoting him but i'm just saying according to the law of our heavenly father the creator the only one the designer of the whole storybook and plan he gave individual rights to people that Trump, anything else, okay, they, it doesn't mean you can hurt your neighbor, etc. but the, the rights the father gave to each individual was supreme, and as long as you follow that, you're okay, so the way he put it was if uh, you're living in a town and, uh, you know, one guy and then two guys and then 50 guys decide it's okay to rape your wife. It, it's, it's lawful, it's legal, and, and et cetera. And he pointed that fact out, which, of course, is ridiculous. But he, And this is the way the system runs right now. As long as there's... Uh, you know, a democracy, and this is what this deals with, a democracy is a, uh, a vote of, okay, if you got 100 people and 50 vote one way, 50 people vote the other way, it's a stalemate. But if one votes, and we see this in Congress, et cetera, to break the stalemate, then that becomes the law and it's okay. And this is the way this guy explained this very well. And you see how ridiculous that is. So that is a, an example of the type of system we've been under for a long time. Well, we talked about, the, we talked about the founders a lot this morning. They hated democracy and it literally translates to mob rule. And, uh, Unfortunately, you hear people spew that out every day listening to people. It's 
Uh, it's amazing when you really understand these words and these concepts to hear the gross ignorance out there from even people that are recognized quote-unquote authorities or as your brother would say, Brent, experts. Uh, let me yeah. check in on Sam. But Samuel we kind of started this conversation because he was the one that called in talking about Thomas Jefferson that Kay was referring to. So let me check in on him. He's been in and out a couple of times today. Samuel, say your piece. Hey, Roger. Uh, I guess I'm the uh, jackass that hits the <laughs> <dead> line. <laughs> I don't think so. And of course... I love Thomas Jefferson and all our founding fathers for what they did. Um, now, the uh, only thing I was bringing up is I had never heard that before, and it came from some pretty high authorities. And there is quite a bit of evidence. And even Thomas Jefferson, this is a, according to what I read, a national secret right on up until his deathbed. And then he took credit for it. But I think they were trying to hide the fact that came. There's probably 60% of it. You know, Adams is probably in there, Franklin, Jefferson. God got what he wanted, I think, you know. But the, the, the evidence that came was instrumental is voluminous. Uh, to really look into it. And that's, that's all I was bringing up. Okay. Well, um, I thought Kay gave a really good, you know, from my own personal experience here and her experience writing, that people are and should be influenced by other people. And sometimes that influence can be real dramatic. Uh, you'd say Brent said he plagiarized from John Locke. Well, he certainly heavy, heavily lifted a lot of John Locke's ideas because they were valid. Well, certainly. And if a man speaks the truth, and a lot of evil men speak the truth, but then they add the taint, the taint of untruth to it. And that's what the evil empire does consistently. They'll tell you a whole lot of truth. They'll give you a glass of clean water and they'll put two drops of strychnine in it. Yep. Well, Otherwise, it's good stuff. Rat poison is about 98% food and 2% poison. Yeah. And this goes to the biblical principle that a little leaven... Leavens the way. whole lump. Yep. Okay. It, well, it leavens the whole lump. Sure it changes is. it. And um, I, I, I think the so gentlemen back the, then were being political too. They, they had to be. Um, they, they, Thomas, Thomas Paine was strictly against slavery, and that was one of the first things the founding fathers struck from the documents, so they could get unanimous consent. So. There's things there that, you know, he wasn't, uh, he was an Englishman. He was an atheist. He, he was, uh, he was uh, anti-Christian. Um, he was not the guy that you would want to tell the people that was primary writer of that document for political reasons. Well, I don't know, but I do know that the document, wherever it came from and whatever the influences are, are to me, it's the greatest political document ever penned. Other people have agree. different, I agree. Uh, a different uh, ideas, but even my teacher, John Benson, thought the Constitution was. Uh, but I always gravitate towards the Declaration. It's so eloquent. It's so precise. It is so accurate. 
We quoted, Daryl quoted to one of the uh, uh, objects against the king the other day. And I threw in the other one that are real, 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 real parallel with what's going on today. He has created hordes of offices and hordes of officers to come harass us and eat out our substance. And the other one is he has brought in a foreign jurisdiction. And both of those things are happening and have happened. Yeah. Yes, Kay. And I agree. Hold on, Doug. We're going to defer to Kay because it's kind of a thread through the show. Yes, Kay. Yes, and I really had wanted to call in. Hi, your name's Samuel? Yes, ma'am. Hello? Yeah, okay. Uh, Hi, Samuel. Um, Because I wanted to make the point that we are influenced, and I, I notice it when I'm writing, and that's why I really can't read other people when I'm writing. I thought I was home safe now because, you know, I've been reading Brent and it's very divorced from what I write, but there it was. Write my own writing. I went, oh, whoops. And um, so we are influenced. But the other point that I really wanted to make is Thomas Jefferson is not here. Were he here, he could defend himself. And he could say what was what. He could say, hey, you know, I was reading Thomas Paine. He influenced me a lot or, you know, it's whatever it is, but he's not here. And to rather drag his name uh, through things that really might make other people think less of him without having any evidence, any concrete evidence at all. There's nothing historical in the record. There was not even any evidence that went into this. It's just not right. And then the other point that well, I wanted I, to I make, never, and I, I, never, I, I, never, I never even heard of this whole thing until a few weeks ago, and I started looking into it. And you will find that there's quite a bit of evidence. Uh, one point, I don't know if you heard this when I called in last, Jefferson has over three million words in print, and he always used the word has. And Payne used the word has. And it shows up in the writings to point the direction just like you would if you were looking for the writings in the Bible as who penned what by their styles, by their legal abilities, etc. Well, the only thing I have to say is. If that sounds like scholasticism of reasoning, you can you can almost make anything uh, look like it is by reasoning. But I wanted to bring up this point also, and that is that I'm in and around Patriot sites, and this is the third uh, time in Patriot um, stations where Thomas Jefferson's name has come up in a bad way. And one of them was quite bad. I'm not doing that, Kate. So I wanted to kind of uh, put a warning out there that apparently there is a movement afoot, from my viewpoint. I'm not saying that there is or isn't, but it would appear to me that there's an agenda. There is, Kay, and it's been going on for some time. Yeah. Okay. So let's see, we're getting towards the end of the show here. Uh, Is there anybody I haven't recognized that wanted to say something? Because there's a slew of people on here. Frederick Bastier, who wrote the Treaties of the Law. Okay. 
excellent excellent piece if anybody's not familiar with that it's, it's pretty elementary easy to read and very hard hitting uh it's only uh approaching 200 years old now yes her name was uh newland the victoria victoria newland was the gal you were talking about yeah. earlier brent oh uh-huh what uh, did I say about it? Uh, the one that was kicking up all this stuff in the Ukraine. Well, maybe it was Daryl who was saying it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Victoria Newland, and she's married to another Jew, and that and doesn't use his name. Who's real big uh, po politic guy up in D.C. One of these uh, power broker guys. Um, well, they very well can be assets assets of the Mossad. Yeah, oh, as was. Well I think, I think very I think very well is a little uh, undershot. I think you can probably guarantee it. Well, Jeffrey Epstein's right-hand gal was daughter of a Mossad employee, an yep. agent yep. in Britain. I forget his name, but Maxwell. it's all mixed Robert, up together. Robert it, Maxwell. It, it's not even hidden. You can go to the internet, look it up, read about it extensively in the British newspapers, but yet it's not spoken of now that this has all happened. Nobody brings that up, and no. it should be brought up. I'll tell you what is I hidden, though. Giselle Maxwell, Max, whatever her name is, she's hidden, but nobody yeah. knows where she is. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that I say, yep, nobody's paying attention to her. You're saying they can't even find her. Well, it's, they're hiding her somewhere. They could find, hell, they can find anything if they want to. If they wanted to find they her, they could find her. I mean, come on. Uh, that's what makes uh -huh. the whole thing ludicrous. And as she continues to be unavailable, all these other things are building up, and it just draws more attention to the whole thing when they'd love to get it swept under the rug. Why isn't she in prison? Like supposedly Epstein was. Why isn't but why she even being questioned? Yeah. yeah, she was right hand instructor to these little girls that were performing sexual acts for these powerful men. She was the one that recruited them, the one that brought them in, the one that taught them how to do it, whatever it is they were doing. And yet, she's not under arrest. She's not indicted. What's the matter with these federal prosecutors? Well, I'll tell you what's the matter with them. They're controlled by the wrong people, too. They're not trying to indict the right people. The United States attorney, apparently, doesn't want to indict her. Well, they, they could do it if they want. They could go down yeah. and get Mr. Acosta, who was the ex-transportation secretary that cut that deal originally for Epstein, and ask him who made the comment to him, don't mess with Epstein, he's intelligence. Nobody's yeah. even done that, okay? So uh, let me just promote real quick. Uh, I've got uh, Deanna Spingola on as a guest next Tuesday. Kay, are you familiar with Deanna and her work? Kay must have left. Uh, well, you'll you'll really appreciate her. She's going to be on next Tuesday. Hey, no, I'm here. Okay. I was, you, just, I was just on this. Are you I, I am familiar with her. Oh, okay, well, we'll really have, oh, she's dynamite. We'll have Deanna on next Tuesday. She suffered a major personal loss, and I think she's got some of that behind her. And I look forward to that. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff happening. Of course, it's a Labor Day weekend. I'm planning, I guess I'll be here Monday as usual. Won't be too much financial or anything else, but there may be a few people listening and have the ability to listen and call in that can't ordinarily. Uh, Brent, as we get close to the end here, about to hear the Whistler. How do folks get more Brent Winters? 
go to commonlawyer.com, www.commonlawyer.com, and you can see there how to join us on Saturday mornings. We're going through 45 weeks to 45 presentations on the law of promises called the common law of contracts. And, uh, well, you can go there and see how to hook up. You can see me. I can't see you if you've got a, a computer or a cell phone. You can also listen by telephone. Also, on Sunday morning, we have church. We're going through the book of the revelation of the revelator John, clause by clause, blow by blow. Go to Amazon.com. You can find my books there. Uh, the book, Excellence of the Common Law, Comparative Law Text, 958 pages. And you can uh, read through that or take chunks of it. It's available there. Then also the winterized version of the Bible. A common lawyer translates and annotates the Bible from the original tongues. Almost 15,000 footnotes, 112 appendices uh, detailing themes throughout the books of the Bible. You can find those there. Roger, thanks. Brent, always a pleasure, and we're just real glad to be associated with fine people like you and all the other folks that listen, and especially you that contribute. We had a good, good mix today, and I sure do appreciate it. Everybody's comments, sorry for the technical snafu, but we overcame it. And listen, my heart is with our Florida listeners this weekend because they're about to get walloped, and I sure am sorry it's happening, I hope you all stay safe. We'll find out more next week. Have a good long weekend, and I'll be planning on seeing you Monday. Hope you're planning on listening. You guys have a good one. Thank you, Brent. Thank you, Roger. Hasta luego, chicos.